0: WEEI's coverage of Red Sox Winter Weekend is co-sponsored by McFarland Energy, the heating, cooling and bioheat delivery pros that Eastern Mass and all of Cape Cod depend on at mcfarlandenergy.com. By the EL Harvey Companies, including Nosc Disposal and Mega Disposal, your local trash collection and recycling providers. And by Aviva Trattoria, Italian inspired, locally made from fresh, whole, locally sourced ingredients.
2: show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo show. That's delicious.
3: So for
2: yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. Let's go. All right. This is Justin Turpin, you're an excellent producer. You're the best in the business, but you get the wrong open. This is not a great way to kick off the Baseballs and Boring show by playing the old Bradfoe show open. But thank you, Doug Lane. Doug Lane saved the day. Our fans saved the day. Our fans here at Winter Weekend. Once again, I believe when these young men, these these baseball fans of the present and the... See, there you go. I mean, if the young people are saying it, my demographic must be red hot, Brian Abraham. Brian Abraham, Farm Director of the Boston Red Sox, Director of Player Development, is with us kicking things off. We're going to have Tristan Cassis on. We're going to have Nick Pavetta on. We're going to have Jonathan Papelbon on. We're going to have the Play Tessie guys on. We're going to have a ton of people on. People are gathering around here at Winter Weekend. Thank you all for gathering around. Most importantly, thank you. What's your son's name? Logan. Logan, yeah. Logan. Thank you so much for driving the bus. Do you guys actually believe baseball is boring? Yes. All right. Thank you. See, look, you're. Your dad? Your dad, I don't know if he believes that. No, I but believe it. We're, we're it's gonna, a great sport. Like, I, I, baseball isn't boring. I mean, that, you're saying that because it gives you your paychecks. Well, I mean, I like one of these sweatshirts. I well, nice, Now that uh, I'm on with you, we,
3: I'm, I'm hoping for one.
2: So this is the Baseball Isn't Boring show, which is going to be on weekly starting, I believe, on February 17th. This is sort of the, the soft launch of it, but we're so honored. To be doing this, I'm Rob Bradford, of course, at BB Isn't Boring. You can go to the socials. We get the podcast every single day. You might have heard Craig. Did you hear Craig Breslow on the podcast this week? I have. I did. Yeah, I did. What are your thoughts? Must listen. Must listen. Must listen. it yeah. was good right it was good. It was great i said at the end of it i said I, I, as you noted because you did listen to it uh i felt I, I did feel a little bit like will ferrell in old school where i just sort of blacked out it was a lot to get
3: to in a lot of in a half an hour a lot to talk about a lot of information in, in a short amount of time but i thought uh both of you handled it really well and he gave uh, a lot of insight and you asked some really good questions See, that's why you're one of the favorites of the program. Again, Brian Abraham, farm director, Pl-
2: director of player P- personnel. Here at Winter Weekend, everybody gathering around. It's been pretty cool. This is always a good time, and I know that, you know, it's sort of the last couple of years has been highlighted by the town hall in different ways. I guess last year was the booing, and this year it was barn <laughs> And... Uh, You uh, did you catch? So you so just to let people know, Brian Abraham is a a, one of the rising stars in the world of baseball. Um, He he started off as a. Tell me if I'm wrong. You played at Holy Cross. Played at Holy Cross. Played at Holy Cross. Then went to the Blue Jays Jays. because JP Ricciardi hires everybody from Worcester. Um, Was a bullpen catcher there. Bullpen catcher, advanced scouting video, kind of jack of all. Do it it all. Okay, you did it all. And then when you get to know John Farrell when he was there, then John Farrell comes over to the Red Sox. Uh, obviously, that, that team was never going to be separated. You go to the Red Sox as well. You come up the bullpen catcher. You were in the bullpen for the mo- one of the biggest moments. I think the most impactful moment in the history of the Red Sox, which is David Ortiz's Grand Slam in the uh, 2013 ALS. You,
3: were, you didn't catch it, though. I did not catch it. I was, I was next to Mini, uh, our other bullpen catcher, who caught the ball. Okay. Um, but, who were you, you warming up at the time?
2: Taz, Tazala. Oh, okay. All right. Who was going to be brought up to face Miguel Cabrera because that's all he did that series.
3: That is true. A bunch of ground ball double plays. I think maybe that year he had grounded into one double play, and Taz got him to, to, to roll into a couple during that, that oh, series. It was, Amazing. It was like it a did. machine.
2: And did you? Here's the first question. When you were warming up Craig Breslow in those bullpen sessions, you said, Someday, Craig. We are going to be working together in the Red Sox front office. We're going to be at winter weekend together. Um, I mean, that was – it must have been unique. though. In all sincerity, you were around Craig when he was a player. because, and, and not only were you around him, you had to sit there in that mundane environment that is the bullpen, and he's talking about the square root of pie, and, and you're talking about Holy Cross alumni. I don't know, but, you know – the uh so so look at like look at. Nick York just walked by, he smiles at his boss, Brian Aram. Um so but when you were talking to Craig Brack back then, how unique of an individual of a baseball player was he?
3: Uh I- I, I think he was one who who wanted to better himself on a daily basis. You know, he was always asking questions, trying to figure out what uh, he could do to best suit himself on that that night, but also improve overall as a pitcher. So, um, I think it was you know it was, it was before the times of pitch data, it was before the times of track man or, or, or tech. Um, I think that we you know it was it was it was Craig, it was Andrew Miller, Andrew Bailey, Burke Badenhop one year. Um, just a, a lot of intellectual pitchers, I thought, in the bullpen those years that um, asked questions that wanted to challenge themselves, whether it be different arm slots, grips of the baseball, um, to, to better manipulate the baseball to get outs. Cause, Even you know, back then, so you could like, again, that was before
2: we were like, why does Koji's fastball do that? Because, and we didn't have, I mean, probably somebody had spin rate, but certainly for the public consumption, there wasn't. So there was a lot of,
3: we don't know why this is happening, and you had a lot of guys in that bullpen who were probably trying to figure that out. Yeah, I remember catching Koji for the first time actually and saying, wow, he does not throw that hard. But it was, I think there were definitely probably some buckets within pro baseball that knew exactly why uh, hitters were swinging, missing at a 90 mile per hour fastball at the top of the zone. But over the next couple of years, I think as we better utilize and and found out about information, we understood why. But at the time, I think it was just, you know, deception. And, uh, you know, from our end, it was visual deception, uh, you know, ability to hide the baseball. Um, you know, the, the sneak up on you fastball was something that you know was just a a, a layman's term, I guess, a scouting term, and it was a true thing. Oh, well, Pap. Remember, Pap used to. And
2: we'll have Bond on later, but that's what I remember watching Pap early. Pap was the last five feet of his fastball. Why does it take off like that,
3: right? Koji was sort of the same way I felt. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, same way. Also, on top of that, it was it was changing eye levels using an, another pitch off his, off his fastball, the splitter, where it was coming out of the same arm slot. Um, you know, reaching the plate at somewhat of the same angle and then and dropping you know off the table. So, I think the ability to use pitch tunneling was something that was being done. It just wasn't necessarily described the way as we utilize that type of information and in conversation. Who is
2: that? Before we get to the like, we rattle through the minor league as the farm guys. Who everybody is really want us to talk about in all sincerity, uh who was the hardest guy to catch when you're catching the bullpen? Because I can imagine like so yes, you were not a major league player, but you have to have some skill in order to catch these guys in the bullpen to catch a Koji Uahara split is not easy. So what was the what was the toughest pitch for you of any pitcher that you had to warm up to catch that you're like oh, I really don't want to catch this guy.
3: Ooh, good one. Thanks. Um, A- A- Andrew Miller was tough. Just overall just the size, the long arm, you know, he fell down the down the down the slope and it seemed like he was right on top of you. So I would say he was probably one of the one of the more difficult ones. Um Taz was difficult as well because he warmed up so aggressively. He threw hard, he threw his splitter hard in the bullpen. So you know some guys are a little bit more touch and feel, let it rip a few times and then they're ready to go. Koji was like that. It was a very easy warm up. Um, you know, I, I remember Brez. Brez knew exactly what he wanted to do. He would two pitches in, two pitches out, two pitches in the middle, a couple sliders, boom, he was ready to go. So, um, depending on the effort, I, I think it made it a little bit more difficult. I, I don't know if I was a good catcher. I was able to knock the balls down and prevent them Listen, from... You, had, you, uh, were,
2: you collected a paycheck, and you were a catcher. And, fair. by the way, it got what, however you you it worked, you ended up where you're sitting right now, which is the farm director and director of player personnel, or no... Development. Player development. Player well, development. Uh, someday. Uh, so, player de- development for the Boston Red Sox. Brian Abraham is with us. Um, so... Let's get down to brass tacks. I'm going to ask you the question that you've like been asked a, a bunch of times, but people care about it. Uh, let's start with Marcelo Meyer. Marcelo Meyer, where is he, uh, is he when spring training rolls around in whatever it is, February 12th?
3: What is Marcelo Meyer going to be doing? Uh, he'll, be, he'll be playing uh, for the Boston Red Sox or, you know, with, within the Boston Red Sox organization. You know, I know the shoulder's been something that's been talked about a lot, but he's full go, ready to go, um, fully swinging. And it's, it's continuing that ramp up to spring this year and preparing for, for a, long, a long season, hopefully a, a full season. But, um, you know, he, he's put on some good weight. He's gotten stronger. The shoulder's in a good spot. He and is then, big. Well, that's the thing that you notice about him here. He's big, man. Yeah, he's got a big frame. I think the ability to put up some really good lean mass and I know just with our, our PD group and just overall our, our performance group understand the importance of, of lean mass, allowing for more ability to impact the baseball, the ability to throw hard. You know, that's that's a real thing. Size, strength, that, that matters a lot and, and the work he's put in I think is going to be um representative on the field this year, so we're excited. So just to clarify,
2: the, the shoulder thing, he has the impingement, he it's all part of the process of him coming back. And, and the whole thing about him hitting, not hitting, it was really geared up toward, okay, you're going to start hitting normally,
3: semi-normally, right around when spring training comes up. This wasn't like, oh, there was a setback or anything like that. No, I mean, I think medical is so tough to discuss and really, you know, we're certainly not going to get too much into the detail. But whenever you're dealing with it, with any of us are dealing, recovering from injury, there's, there's ups and downs. There's I feel good one day. I don't feel Great this day or I feel awesome this day so I think it's managing tolerance, it's managing the ability to push managing, managing ability to push back and then allowing our medical group um, to really dictate what needs to be done for him to be prepared for the season because at the end of the day spring training, the season is where he needs to be ready for. It. He doesn't need to be you know full go in you know December 15th in the, in the middle of the winter it's for spring training. so our group did an amazing job. Marcelo worked um, really, really hard. I know it's been tough on him, but to get to where he is now we're really excited. So...
2: Every, every, every year is different. Certainly when you have a different uh, regime, a different uh, group of decision makers, you want to implement different things. And there's been a lot of publicity about the Red Sox bringing in a lot of driveline guys and so forth and so on. But from your perspective about how the minor leaguers are going to be managed, is there anything that's going
3: to jump out about a different approach that you guys are having? It can be a small, I don't know, a small thing, a big thing, whatever it is. Well, we have a new director pitching, Justin Willard, coming from the Twins. So I think just whenever you have someone new, there's going to be new ideas, new thoughts. I think at the end of the day, what we're trying to do with the Marlins, what we're trying to do for these for our players is provide them goals that they need to work toward, understanding the, the outcome that we want is for them to be a successful big leader, and then kind of working backwards. What do, what do they need to do to have that success? So um, putting a system in place, putting a process in place for each player for them to work towards those things and understand where we need them to improve, whether it be bat speed, whether it be velocity, whether it be command, whether it be... Bat to ball, all those different things. Having the players have a very clear understanding of what they need to do, and then putting in the work to get there. So, um, I think overall we're 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 in a good spot in terms of the staff we have, in terms of the processes we have. Obviously, we can always improve, but um, you know, with the with the talent we have, it's it's getting them to be to better than they are better than they are today. With Kyle Teal, it's anytime you have a, a semi-high draft pick like that. There's a lot of
2: expectations, and then you see him do pretty well. The expectations get even higher. Um, as you went along and, and got to the end of the year with Kyle, what was the thing that jumped out that made you optimistic that he's going to be able to handle you know this sort of
3: advanced levels? Well, first time with the organization, I think just the movement itself. You know, He started the FCL, sent him to Greenville, sent him to Portland, like really quick jumps really fast, and you know, not only adjusting to pro ball, but adjusting to his teammates, adjusting to the coaches, adjusting to the talent he's facing. So his ability to make those adjustments already, to me, says a lot because – the best big leaguers are the ones that, you know, they have success, they struggle, they adjust, and they, they, they have success. Again, I think if you heard Tristan Cass's talk, he'd be a great example of someone who has a plan, worked through that plan, maybe struggle a little bit, stuck with the plan, and then ultimately had that success. So seeing Kyle's uh, ability, ability to kind of maneuver his way through the minor leagues in multiple levels in a short time, I think uh, is, is a strong foundation for continued success moving forward.
2: What's your philosophy on
3: minor leaguers podcasting and on social media? I don't know if I have a philosophy or if I've put too much thought into it. I think, you know, we want players to have their own brand. We want players to be themselves. And I think part of the best part about baseball is the fans. It's not be so, boring. Uh, for it not to be boring. I'm but trying. It, yeah. No, it's, baseball isn't boring. But I, I think, like, having young players, uh, you know, allow them – fans to see who they are off the field who they see who who they are on the field uh, a little bit more of a personality i think it's an more important than part? but but you know you came up not as a player but you've you've were, have been around baseball for a
2: long time and and this is a conversation when we talk about baseball not being boring it's been it's an easy one to have because the players all say it's changed and yeah. it is changing it, and it, for, it, from from your perspective from the farm director's perspective that's not just hey oh that's nice it's changing it's something that you have to deal
3: with yeah I think we've seen it's def- things have definitely transitioned I, I admittedly I grew up in baseball probably a little bit more of a traditional background with some coaches who had been around the game for a long time and you know having a 10 year old son now who watches the game and enjoys it whether it be different cleats whether it be making fancy plays in the field or, or or just having some energy or having personality, like that is what drives fans to this game and I think you know having our young core having our young group of players at Fenway um, this year Year and in the future is to me what's really exciting about what we could potentially build here. That's
2: a good answer. Like the cleats thing is so bizarre to me. I mean, Brian, man, it's it's in 2016, 2017, Major League Baseball would not wear, let players wear cleats with more than two colors on them and to think about like how backwards that was and how long it took them to understand and that's what i always remember when we have this conversation it's like yes you and i like oh how dare you bat flip or how dare you do that podcast or how dare
3: you go on social media well you know what in five years we'll be saying i I can't believe I said how dare you. Yeah, I think there's certainly a balance. You know, you respect, respect the game in a sense, respect yourself, respect your family, but also it's okay to have a little fun, yeah. smile a little bit, enjoy yourself. And, again, it's for, for kids, for people to enjoy it. And I think you, know, you look at other leagues, other sports, you know, they do it similarly. It's a younger person's game. You know, the average major league age is younger than it was 20 but, but years ago. But the problem ago. is it's a younger
2: person's game playing. But the demogra- this is what we're trying to do. We're getting do. there. Yeah, we're getting there. Oh, I mean, there. That's why you're here, Brian Abraham. Like, man, like, the, are you kidding me? Look at all the young people out here. Oh, I can't believe the, the, it. The, thanks, the, thanks the, man. The, the demographic. Uh, last question is, which were you more nervous about, being on here for this interview or throwing B- uh, for the Home Run Derby? It was for Jose Batista. Jose Batista. Joey Bats. Jose. And this is, I, I totally buried the lead when it came to your resume and your LinkedIn page not only were you a bullpen catcher, not only were you a farm director, not only were you a rising star in the, the ranks of major league executives, but there's not a lot of people on this planet who have thrown BP or thrown, I don't know what you call, thrown the pitches for a home run derby. There is, yes, there's a lot of pressure for this interview. You handled it very well. Thank you. But I'm t- like, that is, that
3: is something. I was pretty nervous. <laughs> I was I was I was pretty nervous. I don't like to talk about it too much. That was in the past. But how much time we have left in this segment? Because I could go on for. Right, no, I'm just kidding. We finished in second place. He had a lot of home runs. It was like, it was an incredible experience. How, um, how would you grade you? How was it in terms of how was your performance in that? I think it was poor, to be honest. I remember him telling me he was going to take a lot of pitches. It made it a lot easier because I think as anyone who knows who throws batting practice, when a player takes a pitch, it is. A little bit uh, anxiety-inducing. He's like, oh, geez, was that not good enough? I have to throw the next one even better, especially big leaguers. Yeah. So, you know, he prepared me. Uh, It was an incredible experience, a lot of fun. I think it allowed me to... Whenever I get nervous about things, I think, I'm like, well, you know, I threw back practice in front of 40,000 people. How hard could this be? Exactly. That's, and I think that's why you nailed this interview. I think there's close to that number here watching us. I
2: mean, it's, it's amazing how, oh, well, how well you perform in front of big crowds. Hopefully
3: this isn't on Twitch or, uh, you know, one of those live streams. I tell,
2: tell you what, this is, w- have to believe
3: this is what I'm going to do for you. Brian
2: Abraham, farm director, director of um, player development for the Boston Red Sox. Thank you so much. And the reward is you get your choice, Okay. You get a baseballs and boring sweatshirt, or you get a book, A Damn Near Perfect Game, co-authored by Joe
3: Kelly and Rob Bradford. How about this? I'd like the sweatshirt, but I'll buy a book because I like Joe Kelly, too. I've caught Joe Kelly. How how was he to catch? Oof! I could have caught him with a shower shoe. <laughs> what? I don't even know no. what that means. No, Joe 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 Kelly's great. He's uh, <laughs> he's one of the best players I've been around in terms of on the field, off the field, the personality, the the wanting to be great. I mean geez. Um, he's writing books now. Writing books and getting guys out of the big leagues, that's pretty special. Yeah,
2: well yeah, he sort of wrote a book yeah, yeah. he definitely he definitely he supported t- you. No it's his book. It's his book. Okay. And by the way, you're in luck. Uh, because there's a Venmo code right over there, so <laughs> perfect. Uh, all right, all right. Thank you so much, man. Go, go, enjoy your day with all your right, son, right. your awesome son, and in the world of baseball. Everyone, round of applause for Brian Abraham, farm director of the bot. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> let's go, let's go. All right. Uh, thanks to Brian Abraham, first guest. But we get a lot of guests coming up. We have Tristan Casas coming up in just about 25 minutes. Nick Pavetta right after him, and we get get the what's what. We we requested to get. The, the culmination of Jonathan Papelbon's weekend, after all the dust had settled, where does Jonathan Papelbon feel his weekend fell, his performance last night? That's what you're going to want to hear. That's coming up along with a lot of other guests. So I appreciate everybody. This is the Baseball Isn't Boring show. We're going to be on starting February 17th every single Saturday. I look forward to it so much. Doug Lane's here. We're at Winter Weekend. Everybody, come on over to the booth if you're here. If you're not, just keep on listening because it's going to be a lot, a lot of great talk. So we'll be back right after this.
0: Tune In is the audio platform with
2: something for everyone. News.
0: In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively.
1: Sports. At the clock at four. Doncic, The step back three.
0: You bet. Music. You said my world on. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed fifteen days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported ninety plus days with device and eligible carrier. And timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve a nice cold reward. Medella, is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy. Tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: artist still known as Bradfoe with the radio version of his daily Odyssey podcast, Baseball Isn't Boring. Baseball isn't boring. Baseball's not boring to me. Baseball is not boring. It's not boring on a podcast, and it's damn sure not boring on the radio. And either way, it's streaming on the Odyssey app. It's Radio B-I-B on
2: W-E-E-I. Man, what an open that was. What an open. Justin! excellent job. Oh, I want to thank Ken Laird. Ken Laird for putting that open together. Justin, it's, it's sort of good that you played the old Brad photo open at the beginning because it's sort of the the transition, right, the passage of time. We we started off, but now we did an interview. Now we're morphing into the baseballs and boring era. And like I said, every single Saturday starting February 17th, the baseballs and boring show, you can go check out the podcast. We do it every single day. This week we had on – Craig Breslow we had on Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes we had on a bunch of people we continue to have on the biggest names in baseball and today is a lot of the biggest names we're doing it live from winter weekend Doug Lane sitting beside me Justin Turpin back in the studio it's been a lot going on and and so first of all Kevin Curtis excellent job with a lot of these interviews there was go back and listen to these things Sam Kennedy, Tom Warner together, uh, especially at the end of the Sam Kennedy interview where it got a little uh, heated, testy. Uh, I don't want to say heated, but a little back and forth. In, in, uh, and so that's what we always like. We, we, we like to get a little spicy when it comes to the Red Sox situation. And, and as we, Pedro Martinez was on, he was awesome. Awesome. He's always awesome. He's uh, If you're going to talk about one of the best interviews in Boston sports history, it has to be Pedro Martinez has to be top five. Doug, what do you think, right? Top five, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's Pedro Martinez every single time. You watch it, I mean, like he could mail this in. No, go listen to that interview. So we talked about it getting a little spicy between Ken Curtis, uh, Sam Kennedy, Tom Warner. And the biggest thing here is that you cannot have apathy. You just can't have apathy. And I'm trying to still get the vibe here at Winter Weekend. I know that last night, everyone's talking about last night, much like they talked about the Friday night last year when when obviously Haim Bloom and John Henry were booed. And this year, there were boos once again. There's no question about it. Uh, but then you mix in Jonathan Papelbon and the late night Ojo Cinco show and, and how that played and I'm just—I can't wait to talk to Papelbon. I think it's a, a, in about an hour or so to talk about like what he expected, what he thought, how he thought it went, and also his perspective of, of terms of the Boston Red Sox. But here's the thing with the Red Sox—I think that. It, when we talk about the full throttle conversation, and I wanted to encourage everyone you can to, or anyone who wants to, to weigh on in at 617-779-7937, 617 779 or if you are around the winter weekend, around, come on, say hi, we got... All kinds of stuff. The street team people are here. They're working really, really hard. they got a ton of good stuff, including baseballs and boring stickers, damn near perfect game books, a lot of EI gear, a lot of baseball-centric stuff. It's just a good time, and I appreciate them being here. But when it comes to the Red Sox and the approach uh, from the fans' point of view, and I I, want to know if I'm right or wrong, and I've actually told this to a couple executives today, is, yeah, you had the full-throttle conversation, that was a misstep there 's no question about it full you can 't just say full throttle because that 's what everyone expects when you hear full throttle it 's not about pulling all the levers and and, and having the best Meyer league system and and scouting all the corners of the earth and no, they can say that's full throttle, but that's not full throttle. The full throttle is paying the millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for the guys to shock and off reagents like that. This team has had in the past. No, I, I think that really what had set them back was when you move on from Heim Bloom. The initial, the immediate reaction, the immediate thought is, all right, you know, Heim Bloom did it that way. It was a slow build, slow build, slow build, and then you sort of ran out of time. But now here it comes. Here comes the way that they did it before. Here comes more Dombrowski than anything. That was the perception when they moved on from Heimblum. So that was what immediately got in people's heads. There was no question about it. That's what got in people's heads. It was well before the full-throttle conversation. So... When people thought that, and I thought that, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not, hey, this is a really important offseason. You have to, not only in terms of getting more talent, but in terms of pushing away the A word, pushing away apathy. You had to do that. So I thought that's what they were positioning themselves for. And I think that's what fans thought they were positioning themselves for. Think about that. We were talking about Otani, Otani to the Boston Red Sox. Think about how laughable that seems now. It, that would never, ever, 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 gonna happen. And then you have Yamamoto, and and okay, you know they're gonna. This is a player they're gonna go in on. This is a player they're saving their pennies for. This is a player they they've been scouting for a couple of years. And yeah, you get the Mets involved. Yeah, you get the Yankees involved. You get these other teams involved. But no, no. This is the time. This is the time where the Red Sox are gonna do what they have always done going back to when, the, when they would win every battle for every free agent. Like remember, the only battle that they didn't win goes back to, what, 2008 when they didn't get Mark yeah, the, and, and And for the next 10 years, we were talking about, hey, if they really want a guy, they're going to get him. That's what it was like yet so when we got heard yamamoto we hear the new regime we hear they want yamamoto you have these other free agents you have jordan montgomery you have blake snell you have these other guys you have all these other guys so they're gonna win what the guy that they choose they're gonna win that battle for because that's how they always has been the course correction for the front office has always been dramatic Oh, you miss out on Jose Abreu, you get Ruzne Castillo. Oh, you need bats, you get Pablo Sandoval and Hayley Ramirez. Oh, you need a star, uh, an ace because John Lester left. Y'all, Yo, you pay $40 million more than anyone else for David Price. And on top of it, the next year you go get Chris Sale and give up these top prospects. There has always been dramatic course correction. So I'll come back to it. When this regime was turned over to Craig Breslow when they moved on from Bloom. this was the thought. This was what they were feeling. This was what everybody thought was going to happen again. Maybe not to the extreme of Dombrowski, but certainly more aggressive in, in what was perceived as a lack of aggressiveness. That's what you felt back when this move was made. And even before Breslau was hired, whoever was hired, that was the perception of the the, the ownership. And that, that perception didn't dissipate at all when you had press conferences at the end of the year from Sam Kennedy, and these other people, because then you have the full throttle conversation. So you have all of this. So you go into the off season with this mindset. I'll say it again. You can take away the full throttle com- uh, comment. You can take that away with this mindset that was implanted in everybody's head, and all of a sudden, that mindset has gone out the window. And everybody was hanging on to that mindset for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon months. And now, finally, we're getting a little bit of clarity. As I said, Craig Breslow came on my podcast, came on the baseballs and Boring podcast, and he talked, he said this, and I thought he was honest about this, and I thought this gave an insight into where they were better than, than I had heard, to be frank. Is that he said that this isn't what their approach now isn't predictive of what they're going to be in the future. So if they just said that out of the gate, I think it would have been made their lives a whole lot easier. It just would have. But instead, they were saying that future that they're talking about, that, that future that isn't predictive of what's going on now, that is what is going to be the immediate thing that is happening now. But it wasn't. He's saying, what is going on now? Their approach now, which is him admitting that they are slow playing this. They have to wait longer. They aren't in position to give the five-year, six-year, the Yamamoto contracts uh, the, maybe to the level that they wanted, or certainly Otana, or maybe even Jordan Montgomery, or even Blake Snell. They aren't in position to do that. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be. And that was when we were going through the high-bloom Heim- era, it was sort of like, well, how long is it going to be before you really get aggressive and before you break away from these two-year contracts and and rely so much on this? How long is it going to be before you get the foundation play? I'm not talking about Devers. Devers is an outlier. That's different. And I'm not talking about Trevor Story either. I'm talking about finding the guys in this free agent market who are going to take the pressure off the young guys that you keep talking about, we are going to be the foundation guys, and you got to pay the money to do that. How long is it going to be? With Bloom, we were waiting, 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 waiting. And then once again, we were, now this was going to be the time. But, but what Craig Breslow is saying and said on the Baseballs and Boring podcast was that we aren't at that place now. We aren't at the place. And I thought another really interesting nugget that I unearthed uh, yesterday was you know a guy that they were really, really interested in was Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks is a a pitcher, a relief pitcher. He throws one of the hardest throwers in the game. He's 27 years old as a free agent. He signed with the Giants, I believe it was about four years at $44 million, but he has a ton of bonuses, and the reason he has a ton of bonuses is because the Giants are making him into a starting pitcher. So four years at $44 million, 27-year-old free agent, Boston Red Sox, that's the guy that they're really interested in, and you know what? That's okay. I think that that's would have been okay. That would have been fine. If, if you went out and did that deal, yes, it's not Jordan Montgomery. Yes, it's not Blake Snell. But 27 years old, that's okay. And that sort of fits about where they're at, and that's why they were interested in that guy. But instead, it's either feast or famine, and they put the feast or famine mentality into us. They did. And now we're saying "Eh," it's kind of somewhere in the middle. It's going to take some time to get their head around that. And I think that you saw that with, the, with the, what happened on Friday night. I think you see that here. People are still, you know, people are having a good time here. I'm happy everyone gets it. One of the best parts about this event, and I think that everybody here around the, the radio booth and milling about here in Springfield will admit or agree, is that there is a sense of community, right? That's the best part about this, is that the sense of community that you get to see people that you don't get normally to see, that maybe you interact on social media or whatever it is, and then you can complain to each other about what's going on. That's cool. That's fine. But the problem overall in terms of the narrative about where they, why things happened last night like they did with the booze, like they have, ha- have happened on social media throughout, and how they're defending themselves, whether it's on this radio station earlier today with Werner and Kennedy and Cora and Breslow, or, uh, or just overall in, in the entire offseason. Why this is happening was because of the missteps in terms of the messaging early on. I'll come back to it. If they announced heading into winter weekend that they signed Aaron Hicks, the, the reaction would have been, sure, there would have been some reaction like, oh, yeah, you're sure, you want to make a relief pitcher into a starter. and No, it's, if, if you're dealing with what they're dealing with and what we think of payroll, fine. That's what you're dealing with. It's better. It's fine. 27 years old, guy who, I, you know, who has, has been productive as a reliever, it's something. It is something, and that's what we're sitting here. We don't even have that. We don't even have that. So people just want to know. First of all, they want to know what path they're taking, an honest answer to that path that they're taking. And second of all, all, they also just want to see what that path actually results in. So far, the path only results in you know Tyler O'Neill. you have the Chris Sale trade, you have the Verdugo trade. I personally do not think in a month or less than a month now in spring training that you're going to land with this roster, that, that Craig Bresow isn't going to do something creative, something that we're going to say, oh, yeah, okay, that really helps the team. Much like, the, again, the Jordan Hicks thing. Like, I, I have a hard time believing that. But at the same time, we're sitting here at winter weekend, and we can only deal with what we can deal with, right? We can only deal with what we can deal with, with with this team, and it's great to see these players out here. The players are optimistic. I think some some fans are getting more optimistic because we're getting a little bit closer, and that's how this works, right? Hey, you know what? I see Tyler O'Neill. His triceps looked really good. You know, it's, hey, he can hit. He won two Gold Gloves. Is, hey, this actually might work. Garrett Whitlock, best shape of his life, not even question. We can be optimistic, and that's what this is all about. But I'm just giving you the reason why the reaction has been what it has been on the Friday night that we just saw. And carry over to today, and then going from there. And it's not going to stop until things happen. And honestly, now that they're sort of being more transparent about where they are with payroll and approach and all of that, people probably still won't be happy. Because you're still facing at uh, a Blue Jays team that, you know, is really talented, maybe the most talented. You're facing the uh, Orioles team, which, holy mackerel, their, their young talent's incredible. You're facing a Yankees team. I don't know if you guys know this. They got Juan Soto. They got Alex Verdugo. They got Now they got another pitcher in Marcus Roman. They'll probably get somebody else. And then the Rays, you know, the Rays can have, like, you know, the Bad News Bears playing, and they're going to be good. And then, by the way, if you want to go to the Houston Astros, Houston Astros is just got a closer for five years, Josh Hader. So, yeah, you know, you, you, right now, it doesn't look like you're as talented. It doesn't, but you have got to take a step forward. The first step forward, I think, was being honest about where you are and what you are going to do and what the plan is. And once again, I'll say it again: the plan off of Craig Breslow's comments on the Baseballs and Boring podcast was. Reading between the lines, paraphrasing, we are not quite in the position where are we are going to be we 're going to be able to spend big on the guys the big names that we 're talking about now. We are not quite in that position. Nobody wants to hear that. We finally hear that that's fine. We thought we were past that. We thought we had moved on from that narrative with Heimblum, but we haven't. It is what it is, but that's what you're dealing with. So you have to get creative. You have to do things like making a reliever into a star like Jordan Hicks. Those sort of things. So... Get your head around that. If you want to rant, if you want to rave, 617 779 7937. This is a Baseball and a Boring Show. I'm Rob Bradford. Tristan Cassis is going to be here any minute. I know everyone around here is excited. See, everyone is like like they're looking at me. They're like, oh man, can this guy stop talking? Can Christian Cassis please come here so we can cheer for somebody? Yeah, well, he's going to be here a little bit. Nick Pavetta is going to be after him. Then Pap. Is coming a little bit later on. All right, this is the baseball isn't boring show. Be back after this
0: from the Rubenstein Law Studios. One eight hundred BOS Legal. This is WEEI.
2: Now more of
0: Bradfo and baseball isn't boring on WEEI.
2: Let's go! Let's go! Win a weekend. Boston Red Sox celebration of the great game of baseball. Speaking of celebration of the great game of baseball, oh, my goodness. Speaking of baseball not being boring, speaking of baseball not being boring, by the way, I'm Rob Bradford. This is a baseball's and boring show. Uh, we're live from winter weekend. Speaking of baseball not being boring, the person who owns a baseball's and boring T-shirt whose triceps never look better, um, Tristan Cassis. There you go. Yep, there, uh, it's gonna to be tough with that beard, man. It's oh there you oh there you go. All right, say hello.
4: Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like my accent? Huh? My current yeah, the fog. I yeah, dropped in here, yeah. huh?
2: Every every interview yeah. you have to do. All right. uh gotta
4: yeah. turn this down? How do I turn it down? How you want to Are turn it like down? No, yeah, he's got
2: it. He's got it. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, wow, look at it. best shape of your life. it's Best shape of your life, seizing Tristan.
4: Bet- yeah, turn keep, okay, learning that. keep going. He's a yeah, per- yeah, 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 yeah. Doug, right, he's right. a perfectionist. Yeah. Hey, Tristan it's it it's the- that the fans, they pierce my ears so many times with how loud they are. It's, it's, you can't even walk I, down the really street. really sensitive. You can't so.
2: walk down the street. You can't walk down the street. Yeah, I can. No. I mean,
4: people are going to yell at me. They're going to say whatever they want. But I technically can walk down the you street. Can, well. I may. Now may. I, I don't know. That's a different story.
2: If you were really trying, you would have walked to
4: this booth here shirtless. It is a little cold. Um, I'm from Miami And I I like to think That I'm resilient To the weather Like I'm unaffected by it Unbothered by it But for this particular event They made me put This this jersey on You see I tried to come With it unbuttoned already Yeah Because to me Shirts are optional But not here apparently
2: well, the, the The whole idea and again, Tristan Cass has joined us. We appreciate it as always. I appreciate it every time I talk to you, Tristan, Thank every you. single time I talk to you not it 's not even a lie yes nice. and, and, and so i mean feel, I feel like as much as you celebrate the sun and, and the earth, there must be some sort of element of cold weather that invigorates invigorates your um, Immune system.
4: Sure. I I don't know what it is about it, but I love the cold weather. Do Um, you? I love the way it feels on my skin. The wind just absolutely piercing the pores and, like, making my hands numb and just making the bat feel like a thousand pounds. Oh, you
2: actually, like, play. I was just talking about walking down the street. You like playing in cold weather? Yeah,
4: playing in it, being in it, like. Even uh, when I'm back at home, I try to submerge in it. So oh, feel, you do the cold plunge then? I do. I, well, I try to feel like I got to get ready for the cold weather here. So, 85 and sunny every day in Miami is not getting me ready. So, I try to get in at least some type of cold water or something.
2: Can I just tell you, I already have a t shirt idea, Piercing the Pores with Tristan Cassis? There you go. Piercing.
4: The wind, pores. wind chill cloaks, colder <laughs> than icicles. Uh, so, it's best shape of your life season. You know that, right? I mean, that's every day. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't let myself get worse. Uh, I mean, I can't. You, really? Well, I could, but it's not good for you. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> like, to have me on the show and stuff. Like to keep having no, me on the I'm, show, I'm, I got to stay in good shape. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I want to stay on I'm, the show.
2: This year, I'm, I am, uh, I'm pre- practicing what I'm preaching. I'm in the best shape of my life, and so Happy for you. Uh, thank you. I've reached full muscle capacity, of course, uh, as you have as well. So no, I haven't. That's you have not scary part. Oh, really? Uh,
4: that's crazy. All right, so so, are you in the best shape of
2: your life right now?
4: Right now? Yes. Oh, yeah, are sure. you really? I mean, if I didn't think so, I'd just change it. You know, like yeah. I talk to Jeremiah all the time. He's like, uh, what kind of person are you today? I was like better than I was yesterday. I don't know what I'm going to look like tomorrow, but I, I, I like the person I am today. OK,
2: so how are you? Let's let's break this down from the time that you left Boston. By the way, you you totally welched on uh, an agreement we had at the end of the year.
4: Well, it was it was an unfortunate circumstance with the shoulder, and then I wasn't traveling. But we will get to that, and and I did not hold up my end of the bargain or, or my side of the bet. So I'm gonna need to. You could have done that. that. Today.
2: So in case people are wondering, uh, that you had to hit. Was it?
4: I think it was just one more. One, 20, I,
2: how many did I think you it was just with? 25. Yeah, so you had to hit 26. Okay. You had to hit 26 home runs, and if you didn't hit 26 home runs, you had to spend the entire day from the minute you woke up in the morning to the minute you went to bed wearing a Baseballs and Boring t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I,
4: Yeah, I was willing to take that bad, and then I missed the last two weeks, and I didn't get it. So All right,
2: before we get down to brass tacks, can you just do this? Okay. Can you wear a Baseballs and Boring shirt while, hitting while you're on an Instagram post?
4: I'll be in. I'll, I'll do i'll wear it doing anything no on I mean, an instagram it's, it, post it not even the fact that i want to support you and, and your rant it's just the fact that the same it's just it, it's so true
2: i believe it and that's what i mean and that's why i like talking to you thanks so i, I sincerely do so what do you so the, okay well let's go back to what we were saying what are you going to be better at besides leads um what are you going to be better at? Leads? Yeah, like, remember we had this conversation, like you said, they told you you had to work on your leads and yeah, spring training? Yeah, they uh,
4: did, but then I got picked off one time, and I'm like, well, that didn't work out. I was like, well, that's the thing. I'm not fast enough to be able to take a big lead and get back. The pitchers, one, they throw too hard. They're too quick. I, I don't know why. Oh, I'm not going to steal a base anyway. It's they, like, they, can't, they can't think
2: of anything else to criticize you for, so that, they were talking about your leads. Well,
4: I love the fact that they're critical of me and that they want me to get better on all facets of the game, but that's v- really niche. Okay,
2: so what are you what are you gonna be better at when you cut when this year starts than you were when the season ended last year, you think?
4: Well hopefully not much. I I think the good. I think the second half of the season uh, I was doing pretty well and if I just carry that into uh, this next year um, I think I'll be fine. Well, what, do you, but, what did you want to work on this offseason? Uh, I mean, I was working on it every day during the season I so I could get – well, like if I didn't like something in April, I was going to try to fix it for May. And, and I you did. Like, I know. That was the thing. The progress w- w- is showed. So uh, I'm not going to try to change much from last September to next April. I mean, I definitely need to change last April to this April. but That was tough, man. Uh, I mean, for who? For you or for me? No. Well, for, <laughs> for, for everybody else because they had to talk about it or me because no, I no, have to go no. through it. No, I enjoyed I, – listen. This I enjoyed it too. No, it was listen, I, listen. I was setting the bar so low for myself that I had nowhere to go but up. Well, you're know? we a genius. I know. Uh, Can't I, I, the bar too high. I tell
2: yeah. you what, Tristan, I don't know if you remember this moment. It was in Baltimore, and I walked, I told you, I said, Dustin Pedroia, I gave you the Dustin Pedroia analogy, May 3rd. May 3rd was when Dustin Pedroia, 2007, changed his hole. He was hitting under 200. I said, you, you were having your struggles. This happened to Dustin Pedroia. He goes on to winning the rookie of the year. And I'm walking away, and you go,
4: but what happens if I don't do it on May 3rd? <laughs> yeah, then it, it carried longer than that. Yeah. It took me a little longer than May 3rd to get high. I mean, May 3rd is only a month of the season, you know, so I think it went in almost to June. But once you did, man. Yeah, yeah. Once I, once once the summer heated up, so did I, and I I just, you know.
2: What was the thing? Like, what was the thing that you just, like, okay. And I know, listen, you're, cause you because you always give the answer that I don't expect. Yeah. But... Just tell me the thing besides, hey, I just got progressively better. I got What is the thing that sort of clicked for you that you feel like was the biggest reason why you are able to take off?
4: I think just honestly believing that I belong there. At, oh, at you didn't level. believe that? I didn't believe it. I, I, I mean, I was proving it to myself just like I was trying to to everybody else. I mean, 197 in September of 22 isn't exactly like, you know, Fair. convincing everybody that I'm a great player. And then 197 through the first two months isn't either. Um, so... Uh, I think once I went one th- one time through the league, you know, I think I saw all the players. I played against Trout. I played against Sultani. Um, even the guys from the Blue Jays, Bobachet and Vlad, yeah. you know, those are guys that I look up to. Um, but the thing is, I, I'm a baseball I'm a baseball rat. I'm a baseball historian. So all I do is watch MLB Network, ESPN. But the problem with doing that is all they show is the highlights. So I associate Otani and, and all these greats with only hitting home runs and only doing great things. But when I finally played against them and they had bad at-bats, I saw them swinging at pitches in the dirt. I saw them uh, roll over a ball.
2: What, like it's David Ortiz. What's up, what's up, what's up? Uh, like, yeah, you got to come up here I next. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
4: Go ahead. So uh, once I saw, like, all these great players making the same mistakes that I did, it kind of settled me down um, to the, where I was like, they're just like me. I'm out on the same field as them competing, and uh, I, I, I do belong here, and then I just felt like did sometimes that, that, that calmed me down. Sometimes in life
2: it, there's just, like, one thing somebody says or one moment something, something it just happens, Right. Somebody told me that I was a good writer in junior year of high school and all of a sudden I believe whether or not I was I mean I was believe it but sometimes somebody says something. was there that moment was there that that instance of somebody just like you know what I belong maybe it was a hit you had I don't know
4: you know I, I, it, it's funny I, I made a, a game losing error against Colorado randomly and uh, I want to say it was in in the beginning of of May or something like that and it was like Battle-tested weather, rain was coming down. I remember it was Joe Jake's debut. Um, I don't remember who hit a ground ball to me, but it was a lefty-lefty matchup, and I and I bobbled the ball. We lose by a run uh, because we went down by two. Raffy hits a home run in the top of the tenth, and we or bottom of the tenth, and we lose seven-six. Um, and I was just sitting on the bench during the rain delay. And Trevor Story comes over. And he was hurt at the time. He wasn't playing. He's like, man, you're an important part of this team. You're an important part of what we're trying to do um, for right now, especially because you're here for a reason, but especially in the future. Um, and so we talked on the bench for, like, an hour after my my game losing error and uh you know he, pre- he pretty should- much calmed me down he instilled that confidence in me you know he says that in this time that he had been injured he's been having a lot of conversations with the front office and with other members of the, of the staff and they they believed in me he instilled that in me and I guess that calmed me down a little bit because from that point uh at the end of May that I think that I had that error um I felt like it was it was only up- uphill from that so if I can remember like one instance it was that conversation you remember it just hitting i
2: mean sometimes it just hits right well
4: like it was something about defense you know that i was struggling a lot at and helped me with everything else
2: yeah i mean that's pretty incredible by the way you talk about getting off to slow starts the guy who won rookie of the year which you know you almost won but Gunnar henderson go look at his numbers in april wasn't good it wasn't it wasn't good
4: yeah i don't know I don't know what they were like, I know he finished with a great year, but but
2: you got that's the point is that it's and, and now it's incredible to hear you say that you had doubts like that we forget that right yeah that here's a guy top prospect, first round pick <laughs> team u s a he he gets the opportunity to start he's you know he had a good spring training and all of that it, it's like to have the to think that you you're having doubts that you're a major league starter I would imagine. it's incredible
4: yeah i mean i do the best that i can to prepare um go out there and, and try to you know just do the best that I can. Just play hard uh, all the time. But at the end of the day, you don't really know what's what's going to happen. Baseball is a funny game. It's the only thing that you can do everything right and still have a bad result. It's a, it's a, it's a weird concept to grasp your, your mind around. Um, so when things aren't going your way, there's a lot of people in your ear telling you how you should go about things. And, uh, you know, your whole life's culminating into this opportunity. Uh, it could be, you know, hectic to slow things down and uh, take it one opportunity at a time, especially when things are going bad. You want to get it all back at one time, and you just got to, you know, Take a step back and try to get it back one moment, one, what, half, p- the, one pitch at a time.
2: What's the coolest thing you did this off season?
4: Come here and talk to you. I think no, 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 I, I, can I can't we, name anything honestly cooler. Cut that on tape, please.
2: <laughs> thank, thank, thank
4: you. Um, I went to I uh, went to Trevor's, uh, you know, Trevor's state yeah. in Texas last week to hang out with him and and York and and Von Grissom. So I got to meet them in Dallas, and then I went down to Dominican uh, in uh, in December to hang out with Rafi and oh, we did? were down all at Dominican right. Academy down there hitting over there. So uh, any of my, va- I mean, I don't, I, I always say I'll be good enough for a vacation one of these days. All my trips I've been those are like little vacations, but we're working throughout it, so um, that's probably the coolest things that I've done besides Here's talk to you.
2: You're smart because I took a cruise and to stay in best shape of your life on a
4: cruise, not easy. No, that's tough. No. Uh, cru- a cruise is definitely a not not an environment conducive no. to for growth and health, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, unless you like get stranded on an island and then you got to yeah. be very primal and yeah. you got to cut coconuts and climb trees to get food. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I went on a cruise one time when I was like 10 to Cosmo, Mexico. Um, and that was the only one that I've ever been on. It was like fifth grade, like going into sixth grade. It was like my elementary gift. I, I don't know why my parents got me an elementary graduating gift, but oh, man. they thought it was a big deal.
2: Hey, listen, I could talk to you all day, but I can't. You want to you want to predict that you're going to win the MVP? Ten years ago, Joe Kelly came I'm, on here and predicted he was going to be in the game. Yeah, like, I, mean,
4: I mean, I got better chances now. with Tani's in the in the National League, so all right, all
2: right I'll take that as a yeah. All right. For sure. all right, man. All right, good to see you. Thanks. All right, Tristan Casas, always one of the best. All right, we get to take off. Baseballs is boring. Nick Pavetta coming up. Thank, big thanks to Tristan Casas. Everybody, make bring smiles to everybody's faces, and I look forward to his Instagram post with the baseballs and boring T-shirt. All right there, you go. All right, all right, all right. Be back after
0: this.